listeners. Oh, hey. Welcome back. This is Unlearn. I'm Kat. Ooh, you thought I was going to go, Unlearn. I, <laughs> I was waiting for it. I had to put some freshness since it's a new year. <laughs> um, and that's Misha Shirata. I'm Misha. <laughs> but in case this is your first time listening, which welcome. Uh, otherwise, you know who we are. Uh, Cool, cool, cool. So I'm going to do a quick retraction from our episode two weeks ago because my boo threw a man fit about it (laughs) and he's going to be mad when he hears it, but hashtag no regrets. Anyway, um, just so that we are not providing any alternative facts, Colleen, Conway style, uh, (laughs) we just wanted to clarify the numbers that we presented uh, at the inauguration audience in both 2009 and 2017. So in 2017, it is estimated that between 250,000 to 600,000 people uh, attended Trump's inauguration, which that's a pretty wide range. I don't know how they haven't gotten it down to a closer number yet. But uh, that is compared to the 2009 numbers of 1.8 million in the Barack Obama inauguration. Still making that Why the are we even talking about Trump's number anyway. I, well, it ain't 1.8 million. It's nowhere near, not even near a million, not even close to a million. Obama had more people at his second inauguration than Trump had at his first. I mean, like, yes, was the United States making history when electing Barack Obama? Yes, of course. Yeah, we came out. Yeah, it was dope. No regrets. But, like, still. We regressed. That's why people were like, man. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, I mean, those are the actual numbers, so don't listen to the numbers from last week's episode. And uh, we don't want to hear anything else about this period <laughs> you know who you are um <laughs> well that's the end of our retraction uh to on today's episode we're gonna we're gonna Slay start or nay yeah we're gonna start with Slay or nay because i things things have been happening and we want to keep y'all updated things have been moving and shaking and new year's resolutions are and New Year's goals have been re- res- resoluting and going. Not, I don't and know. Not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> have you been slaying or naying? Well, let's do let's do it one by one, like we always do. Um, on my handling my depression, killing it. Wow. Slay all day. Applause. Slay all day. My. I started antidepressants in the beginning of, like, at the end of December, beginning of January. Um, so I'm going into around my third, my second to third month on them, and I feel amazing. Like, I feel Ooh. absolutely fantastic. After the first month, it's like about a month, and for me to go up 25 milligrams to for me to really feel the effects. But once I did, I felt absolutely amazing i felt in, in control of my life um like it's, it wasn't like just my sadness i wasn't irritable anymore i like i just i felt sincere joy for the first time in a really long time um and it it's like really helping with the career aspects yeah 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 uh, so it's actually 
like how apparently curing my depression or well managing my I'm not cured still on medication managing my depression has led to me slaying in other parts of my life mm. so if you think that like maybe you are depressed like duh, don't like don't wait over a year like me I could have just been I could have been slaying all day in my life and I like a month a month on it antidepressants and then like I got an awesome new job where I'm learning a ton of new things mm-hmm. and just like killing it so my career is on a upward path right now like definite upward mobility career-wise so slay in that department mm-hmm. um I but since I am so busy at work it's kind of also still delayed my career coaching business so I am um, I need to get on that but mm-hmm. But the amount that you're slaying in one kind of yeah. outweighs the amount you're naying in another. You right. Know what I'm saying? Like That's you're how I feel. Real hard on the first. I, I'm like I'm slaying. The only like one the one other problem though with uh, managing my depression, uh, it turns out that uh, like my my ADD has gotten worse. Um, so <laughs> that's not funny. It's but <laughs> I didn't expect it. Well, I I well so I've basically had high functioning ADD my whole life and Mm. I've been ignoring it (laughs) but now that but now that I see how well my depression's going I was like maybe I should stop ignoring the fact that I have high functioning ADD Mm. uh so I talked to my psychiatrist about it and she was like oof yeah you do girl yeah uh which which is like why I went untreated because I performed really well in school but uh, it turns out uh, I have like very severe concentration problems and I am constantly tuning out in the middle of conversations and I have a lot of other problems around uh, memory and concentration. But so I'm getting a treat and now I'm like, I'm on uh, pills that I only have to take as needed. So it's like not daily and they're helping me focus and concentrate. And I'm like more aware, more active and I'm on one right now, which is probably why I'm talking so fast. Yo, uh, you are like making me ashamed of how much I might not be slaying. <laughs> Well, but this ain't a competition. This I got is not a competition. I got one more. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. And on that, and on that one, it's it's a big nay. Oh. Uh, so I started off real strong, falling back in love with fitness. Oh. Started off, I was like, yeah, punch, like I'm punching and kicking in body combat. I'm dancing, dancing my little black heart out in hip hop class, just killing it, fitness all day. Oh. Ever ever since I started my new job, I have been failing at fitness. Um, not like fully failing, but instead of like I was before going to the gym four to five times a week, and now I'm going two. So, wow, that's still more to me. Yeah, but, but I'm you still, ain't that ain't in love. Though, I ain't falling know? in love. I'm just like crap. I need to go. I gotta make this membership worth it. One, this is also one accidental slay. Okay. Oh. Uh, ever since I started antidepressants, uh, I've lost three pounds every month I've been on them. What? Just like, I'm just not like even depressed. Can like. I have some pills? <laughs> uh, I have, like a lot of people do, I have like major issues with food mm-hmm. and being on antidepressants actually sought, like took care of that issue wow. for me. So I don't have like this weird obsession with eating and food, even when I'm like not hungry. Now I like hardly ever think about food mm-hmm. and it's more of like eating to live and living to eat. So, you know, seriously, get, antidepressants are low-key making 2017 all worth it. Like I'm, I will not wallow in despair in Trump's America. I will thrive, thrive, a and a, all a. thanks to Michelle Obama because you know she's my number one. 
my hair um can you put an applause track after <laughs> you, <laughs> you know that one's like <laughs> i'll see what i can work out but if you don't hear one that means i could not work it out yeah <laughs> Nay. <laughs> <laughs> nay on the tr- nay on the track. Um let's hear your slays and nays. Number one, slay <laughs> is that I've been trying to take up space a lot more. Whether that be whether that is like talking in meetings, standing up for myself, being like, nah, I'm not gonna do that. It's slaying so hard it might be getting me in trouble in certain <laughs> ways. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm a person that I do not do the moderate thing well. I'm like either on one side or the other. And before I was very much like, I'm I'm gonna just stay in my lane, stay in my lane. Right now I'm like swerve, swerve, swerve. Are are you driving under the influence? That's more that's more how I am right now. You know what I mean? So slay for my yes. first one. And I've actually heard good feedback from others saying that like you've really been owning your space and growing and like really blossoming. So I'm, I just want to say as Woo! your co-host and as your close friend, I'm so, so proud of you. Thank you. Sweet My sleigh is your sleigh. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so my second one, choosing my values over convenience. That's hard when you don't feel like you got time to choose your values. But I have been trying. I have been doing it slowly. Like, okay, I want to order out, but I'm going to order in and use my Tupperware and not use this napkin and take a cloth <laughs> to work. You know, it's little things mm-hmm. like that that I'm slowly adding in. But then it's also like, there's just so many things you don't think about when you commit to particular like parts of your lifestyle. And so I'm just, for one, I'm thankful that I'm doing it slowly. Yeah. So I'm like in the middle of slaying. Yeah. I'm like a slay nay. Slay, slay on the way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a slay on the way. It ain't there yet, but it's coming. It's coming. My last one was to learn something new. I mean, I learned stuff a lot, but it's not what I meant by learn something new. Like I wanted to learn a hobby or a language. It's February and I haven't learned nothing yet. <laughs> So I'm definitely nay, 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 nay <laughs> on that one. But it's like, I don't got time. I feel like I don't have time. I should say that, I, that there are probably ways that I have time to do things. And I just don't feel like I have time. And you're the, well, if it makes you feel any better, you're the only one keeping our book track, book club relatively on track. Because we are all low-key feeling. <laughs> Thank you. you be sending, You be sending reminders when you're like, y'all. The date is coming. We need What's to start book? reading. What's the book? That's thank you. Yeah. So I appreciate I'll it. Be honest, sometimes on some things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me tell you about fitness. So it wasn't a major goal. Okay. <laughs> but I got a membership in December, so that I wouldn't feel like I was a part of the New Year's rush. <laughs> and I still haven't gone. I've been gone once. <laughs> so you're not a part of the New Year's rush. I'm not a part. I missed it. I missed it. <laughs> I missed the New Year's run. And my double chin says it, says it too. So by next Feb, I'm going to have to be in love with fitness too, Kat. You're going to have to rub that sleigh on me. Okay. okay. I'm a, As my sleigh gets on the way, I'm going to share it with you. That's and so sweet. Yeah. Share the love. Sharon is Karen. Thank you. 
Overall, I'm like nine. I'm no. I would say about ninety percent slay. I'm about forty five percent slay. <laughs> oh, but by November, I'm gonna be like hundred and ten. You're gonna be like, yes. how's that possible? Yes. Look at me. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, one slay begets another. So as you like, are you a philosopher? Slay <laughs> <laughs> philosopher. If y'all need tips on how to slay, come to cat. 2017 philosophy. <laughs> One slay begets another slay. <laughs> what? Is this the fierce Bible? What is this? That's so funny. Um, anyway, <laughs> we are going to go to our main topic, uh, which we're going to actually talk about biphobia and bi erasure, which is cause something uh, me and Misha both have experience with and like low-key probably like everyone mm-hmm. <laughs> has like thoughts or opinions and as you know i'm a member of team by so i'll yeah i'm gonna be like sharing my experiences it's gonna be interesting but before Ooh. we start misha sent me the most amazing thing today that made my morning sparkle and shine you're welcome <laughs> um so twitter Despite all the trolls, sometimes it gives me the epitome of life. <laughs> Just like I'm, I mostly don't go on like Twitter because it makes it makes me really sad. But this hashtag, hashtag Black Gay Slay, oh my God, is another what I've been deeming the miracles of Black History Month. Miracle one, Beyonce's announcement of twins. Mm-hmm. I threw my phone. I don't know about you, it but it popped on my phone. BuzzFeed was announcing it. It popped around my phone. And I I read that I was at lunch with my coworker. I read that Beyonce was having twins. I threw my phone and just stared at my coworker, and she's like, "What is happening?" I didn't have to look at articles. I felt it in the universe. <laughs> I felt the, the blessings coming our way. The tectonic <laughs> plates shifted. I just I felt it, and like after I could get my wits about me, I was like, "Is a black." History Month Miracle, Beyonce just announced that she is having twins. I cannot take it. So I, she was also a fellow black woman, so she understood. I did not need to throw my phone. That's not good for it. But I was like, thank you, Beyonce. This is how you start Black History Month. This Other And black gay slay. Black gay slay. I, I'm getting distracted. <laughs> Can I ask you a question, though? Yeah, for sure. Before we get into talking about bisexuality mm-hmm. and bi... Uh, phobia. Phobia and yeah. erasure. Yeah. Would you mind telling us what it means to be bisexual? Like, what does that term mean? Uh, and what is biphobia? Yeah, so bisexuality in its simplest terms is being attracted to men and women. One of the things I don't like about the term bisexuality, which is like sometimes why I refer to myself as queer, is that bisexuality implies a binary of Mm. just male and female. And we know that gender is not fixed, just like sexuality. Um, So I kind of like queer because like queer is just like, yo, I can fall in love with anybody or like sex be sexually attracted to anyone like Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be gender specific but i also kind of want to take on the title of bisexual because i because like bi erasure is so real in the lgbt community and like i know that like 
the term queer has been extremely popular and this great umbrella term for us all to like, you know, be out and be proud. But at the same time, the the whole like biphobia thing, I can't let stand. So even though I'm not crazy about the term of bisexuality um, and the implications of gender binary, I I still don't. I still mm. want to like rep for it. Mm. Was that a was that an explanation? <laughs> yeah. No. I think that's I think that's helpful. And I would love for you to talk like just kind of give an overview of what biphobia is, mm-hmm. um, because I think that that there might be people who think that they're extremely tolerant or accepting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. who might be biphobic. Right. 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 Which I I would say that even up until like 2015, I was pretty, pretty biphobic and I didn't mm-hmm. know because <laughs> yeah. I'd never come in contact with somebody who was bi. So yeah. that you know of that I know of. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Where people, yeah, like people are always like low key shocked when I come out. Um, especially since I'm married to a man, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm like very proud of who I am. So biphobia and I'm like definitely going to admit that I was biphobic for like a really, really long time. Like I would talk shit about like mm-hmm. bisexual girls all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like not, not. Okay. Let me explain myself. So let me explain biphobia. Biphobia is just kind of our comments, like saying bisexual people are greedy or indecisive or one at all or don't exist. Yeah. Or don't exist, which are which happens more so for males than mm. females and i like i can kind of see why people think that bisexual men don't exist like i've had a very large number number of gay male friends who mm. first came out as bisexual as a way to kind of like feel comfortable coming out as gay mm. and like kind of testing the waters like i i could count on i mm. i need my hands and toes <laughs> to count all of like my gay male friends who mm. came out that way and i definitely have bi male friends who like i've seen genuinely in love with both men and women mm-hmm. and genuinely in ha- enjoy having sex and are sexually aroused by both genders um so like when I was, if you asked me if I, when I was young, do bisexual men exist? I would say no. Mm. <laughs> I don't know any, they are not real. But like, obviously now I, and it is kind of fucked up that it took me knowing actual bisexual men to believe mm-hmm. that they were real. Um, but like, that's just kind of, sometimes that's like the only way you can learn. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I guess it's also just like fucked up because like mm-hmm. I, I'm bisexual. <laughs> but I do think that it speaks to the way in which human beings are limited in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that I think the more and more types of people I come in contact with, the less shocked or less hesitant I am to accept somebody's way of being in the world. Mm-hmm. So like I might not know an X type of person, but because now I have accepted so many other ways of being in the world, I might be like, yeah, okay. Like that sounds totally plausible to me. Whereas right, like 15 right. years ago, I'd have been like, what? Right. <laughs> Who? <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> and then like also just growing up in the church, like bisexuality was also viewed as like 
the devil tempting you, mm. <laughs> which is ugh, ridiculous. Um, but yeah, no, definitely like the way it's perceived, the way that it's nearly non-existent in media. Mm. Like you, I can name like off the top of my head, three shows where I've seen a bisexual woman, mm-hmm. but very rarely are there shows with bisexual men. Mm. Um, and then there's definitely discrimination. I know, like, I have gay male friends who won't date bisexual men. I have, I know, mm. a lot of gay women who won't di- date mm. bisexual women. Mm. And it kind of, it, like, <laughs> biphobia feels like it's coming mm. from both ways. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, straight people mm. with, with, like, straight men... I like they don't under necessarily understand my bisexual bisexuality. They perceive it as, oh, do you want to have a threesome with me and my girl? And it's like, no, I'm not interested in you or her. Just because I like both doesn't mean I like either of you. Anyway, yeah, it just my yeah your preference on your preference for both or either any combination doesn't necessarily reflect the way you like being in a relationship. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and it's just like, and like you hear this a lot as like a comparison of like gay and straight, where Mm -hmm. it's just like, well, as a straight man, are you attracted to every woman? No, you're not. Why do you think I'm attracted to every man? Because Mm -hmm. I'm gay. And it's the same way being bisexual is just like, just because like, you're not attracted to everyone. I'm Lord knows I'm not attracted Mm -hmm. to everyone. Lord knows I'm not attracted to most people, Mm -hmm. but it's just like this this misconception. I think it's that a lot of human beings aren't good with other humans who don't want to be put into binaries. Right. That, you know, if, if you're saying I'm heterosexual, there's a very easy line of thinking you go through to mm-hmm. justify their existence. Mm-hmm. If you're homosexual, even if you might not agree with it morally you're like, okay, like I get the concept. Right, right. But I think when you start messing with the boundaries mm-hmm. or when you start saying like, F the boundaries, I don't need a boundary. Right. Or or when you say I can exist between both boundaries, I think that it's hard for people to accept. That I think that is why that qu- that queer feels like it's so much more acceptable because it kind of draws an arc in between mm-hmm. the two of them. Right. Whereas bisexual, yeah, it draws a, a rainbow. <laughs> Whereas bisexual feels st- that it operates within categories, right? But that it fits into neither. So I do see like you know, when I started being more familiar with what it means to be queer, what it means to be bi, it was very interesting to me that I would be in circles with my gay friends and how they would like just be talking trash about people who claim to be bisexual or with straight people and how they would just be talking stuff about bisexual people. I was walking down the street into my apartment and heard a girl say he's bisexual and heard a dude say, that's not real. You know, like, so it's very, it's just very interesting yeah. to me that this, na- this narrative that gets passed about people who consider themselves to be bisexual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then just, I, as I was like kind of talking about recently on the show, not, I'm always going to be fighting for my identities. I'm mm-hmm. never going to truly benefit from that fight. And it feels that way. Like being bisexual, like I honestly, I'm, I'm not. I don't have high expectations for um, gay women or gay men to mm-hmm. fight for my rights when, like, I've heard them, like, mm-hmm. why I've been told to my face that I'm just, like, 
I'm just messing with girls until the right dick comes along, which mm. is huh, oh, that that really like that, you know, that like drives me crazy. Um, but like I, you know, I don't I don't always feel safe in that community. I don't always feel respected in that community. Um, it's just it's really frustrating and it's just so hard to have kind of like both sides be like you don't exist (laughs) you can tell me if it's not my place to say this go ahead but one thing i think i notice is that people who consider themselves to be homosexuals operate within a heteronormative way of being in the world Mm. and what i mean by that is is in order to be accepted by larger society they have taken, you know, ideas about relationships and love and said, I'm just going to kind of transplant this on my experience in order for this to be accepted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I'm making an argument with somebody who disagrees with homosexuality, I'm going to say, well, all we want is to be married to one person who's the same gender. Right. All we want is to be able to love somebody who's of the same gender. All we want is this thing that fits into your same categories. Right. But of this, as long as the person's of the same gender, like it's not that different, you know, mm-hmm. it's more of this, but then you have the bisexuals who come along <laughs> and they're like, mm, actually maybe it's of my same gender. You know, maybe it's of not, maybe I can love both of them. Mm-hmm. And it, it's basically like, I don't have to fit into your category or your category. I can kind of love whoever I want to love or be sexually attracted to whoever I want to be sexually attracted to. And for you to put categories on it is problematic. And I think that a lot of people, I'll speak from my own experience. A lot of gay people that I have met justify their existence by using heteronormative categories. Hmm. And I'm like, I don't think that it has to be that way. <laughs> You're shutting down whole communities of people who don't see their sexuality in the same way because you want to be normalized. If that is out of line, no, just let I me know. But that's that is really one interesting thing point that I at least have observed by some of the people I've been around. I'm not gonna call out names. <laughs> you, 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 you know who you are. <laughs> Do you? What are some of your experiences with like bisexual people and understanding biphobia, etc.? So I think that I've had limited experiences with people who consider themselves to be bisexual. And I would say that a lot of people I know who are bisexual don't use the term because they, I think that there is so much, to be frank, so much shit they get for using it. Mm -hmm. So the one time, I mean, the one direct time I was able to have a conversation with and really like have to mentally go through exercises, story time, buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) so a few years ago i was kind of crushing on this guy and he was crushing on me and he asked me out on a date and i was really thankful like now looking back i'm really thankful for this he was basically like before i go on a date with anybody i like to be a hundred i like completely transparent and you know i don't categorize myself i basically say that whoever i fall in love with is who i fall in love with whoever i'm attracted to is whoever i'm attracted to and so in my way of thinking, I was like, I'm trying to like put this in boxes. I'm trying to like understand what this means. You know, I was like, oh, so you're bisexual. And he was like, I don't use labels, but if that is like what helps you understand, then yes, like that's what I'm saying. And 
that was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. As open as I like to say I was like two and three years ago, that was such, it was just hard for me to accept. And I think what it was is that I just didn't have a good understanding of it. So for me, the, I'll just walk through my, my thought process because I just think it's best to be completely transparent as matter, no matter how hurtful it is. My thoughts were like, whoa, well then if he dates me and we get married, then he's going to have an affair on me with a man. Or like when he's dating me, he's always going to be looking at men or, you know, like it never, the thought never come, came to my mind. Well, he also could be just looking at other women too, yeah. you know, <laughs> I always jump to the, like, um, but what if, what if we're dating and like four years down the line, you're like, I don't want to be with women anymore. I want to be with a man, you know, like, so all of these irrational fears just kept coming into my mind because there was the openness in his heart and mm-hmm. his attraction. Mm-hmm. I think that when you're dating somebody who considers themselves heterosexual, it's like, okay, there is a closeness, right? Like, there is like a wall here. And no matter if you're cheating on me within my own gender, <laughs> at least I like, there's a wall. Do you know what right. I mean? And I couldn't, I don't think I could understand at the time that having, I, and I'm trying to use his own language is, you know, being open to falling in love with people regardless of how they identify or like, you know, if they're cis or trans or, you know, a man or a woman. That to me was so incredibly hard to ex- to comprehend because I think I was equating bisexuality with non-monogamy. Mm. And so if I were to go back in time and not be in the healthy relationship currently, I, I mean, I think I would give him a chance because yeah. now I have a, a greater understanding, but that I will say that I, I didn't deny. I didn't, I wasn't like, Oh, you're lying. Like you can't love mm-hmm. more than these many people. I was like, okay, that sounds like pretty rational to me. You know, like I get it. I mean, I don't get it, but I get mm-hmm. it. But that way of being in the world was so foreign to me that I was just like, oh, you're going to cheat with me with all kinds of people, like all kinds of men. If just we're having orgies, you're just going to be like, we, we bisexuals do. We just, we're and I'm ashamed orgies. to say that, but I really was, it, it wasn't even orgies. It was just like, yeah, no. you're going to cheat with me with a man. Like you're going to get tired of me mm-hmm. and then you're going to see a man and you're going to just like cheat on me. And that was my mindset. And then I ultimately was like, I can't, I'm sorry. Like after thinking about it, I can't go on a date with you, you know? And he was like, I understand. He was so, I don't understand how this person's so gracious. I do because I know him. (laughs) But, you know, it was just, I mean, and what breaks my heart now is to know how often people get told this. Mm -hmm. And how much people have to experience this. And just, like, try to defend your identity and people are like, nah, you're telling me I should be believing you what you say about yourself, but I know better, you know. That's kind of reminds me, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Insecure, but it's Issa Rae's show on HBO, and it's amazing. I absolutely love it. Um, there's this there's this one guy that one of the main characters, Molly, is dating, and she, like, they were having a conversation. She's like, oh, yeah, I made out with, like, a girl at a party once, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, as if that's, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mm-hmm. talk about people who are bar sexual. Um, 
I know you're going to think I'm hot for doing this. Right. So I'm just going right. to do it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but he was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, like one time when I was like partying in New York, me and this dude got drunk and gave me a head. And then I was like, this isn't really for me. And then I have never, I haven't been with a dude since. And she could not get over it. Like mm. in her mind, she was like, he hooked up with a guy once. He was open minded, open minded, hooked up with a guy. Mm was not his thing he was like eh, cool not into tried dudes it. tried it not probably never again mm-hmm. and he had not been with a man for years because he wasn't mm-hmm. interested and he was okay exploring exploring it you know like just in case but like overall not being interested and she just could not get over the fact like she was just like oh he's like bisexual and her and her friends were like oh no he's probably gay because yeah, you got you get one blowjob from a dude. Yeah, totally, totally makes you gay. He's like he he was a heterosexual man, mm-hmm. willing to just like check out the scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that even makes me so mad at how other people are willing to impose categories on people. Exactly, like, just yeah. believe them when they tell you right. something. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm not going. I <laughs> and and like I and I see that a lot, mm-hmm. um, especially like the reporting like i don't know i don't know if you remember this from like the 90s or early 2000s where everyone was reporting about how black men are on the down low oh yeah they're having they're having all the sex with all the men mm-hmm. and automatically even though these men were in happy relationships with women automatically labeling them as gay and like which is just by erasure mm-hmm. because you know a man who has sex with a man and a woman must be gay yeah just like automatic automatically goes to the opposite end of the mm-hmm. spectrum because there's no middle ground especially within masculinity mm-hmm. and they don't and like society and just like concepts of misogyny don't allow for men to have any anything on the spectrum mm-hmm. like the kinsey scale does not exist for them <laughs> but i mean it's frustrating i don't really have can i ask you a question about this um so within a lot of movements i feel like there's a for some of us there's a safe place Mm -hmm. so if i'm just like tired of dealing with white people i'm Mm -hmm. like i'm going to these people and i'm going to be able to rest but i feel that with you know through talking to people through reading various articles what it seems like is that Bisexual people are told that they can go to these LGBTQIA groups mm-hmm. and that they're going to have a safe space. Right. And what they find when they get there is that space isn't safe as, at all because yeah. people are like, you don't exist. Right. You are really gay and you're not willing to commit. Yeah. You want to have it all your way. <laughs> and so, I mean, at least one article I was showing was reading was saying how people who consider themselves to be bisexuals actually have more mental health issues than people who consider themselves to be either queer, lesbian, or gay because there's not the same support network. Mm -hmm. They're being told that there's a support network and they get there and the people just shit on them. Right. I I, I guess what I'm asking is what has been your experience? What have you observed in those circles? Um, Yeah, I definitely, I think that my, my personal safe space is with queer women of color, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Um, those are like those are the only groups that I can I feel most comfortable being a hundred percent with and being mm-hmm. as like truly real and honest um, because like they understand <laughs> like they understand like the intersectionality mm-hmm. of this and 
how <laughs> it's not like obviously it's just like not one or the other going into so like i i definitely try to put myself in queer spaces mm-hmm. um not always it's not always successful so um this is minor backstory this is not a backstory because this uh, okay whatever i'm just gonna say it so <laughs> uh so there is like this whole thing where there like you can go anywhere and find a gay bar for mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. and how like now they're they have what they call the death of the lesbian bar because there are no spaces for women to go and socialize with other women that they may or may not be attracted to um and like socialize in the same way that like in this and in the same spaces as like gay men can so there's like this kind of surgence of queer parties where you like queer parties are all over. And like I go there and they're always packed. Like I, I love queer parties because they're so affirming. Mm. Like everyone is just being their genuine self. And like it doesn't matter how you identify. Like we're all here to be happy. We're all here to be party. We're all here to be non-judgmental. Um, and there, and there's also such like body positivity and such a wonderful community mm-hmm. at these queer parties. That's, that's kind of like all I go to mm-hmm. really, because like I go to a gay bar and like gay guys think they have the right to like my body let where they can just like, tits. yeah, like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, look at your boobies squeeze. Oh, let me slap your butt. Like, no, don't touch me. You don't have I a don't right know you. because you don't want to have sex with Stranger me. Stranger danger. Right? Fuck off me. Anyway. It's like queer parties are the only parties that I feel safe. And like when I go with like other queer women, mm-hmm. like we like it's just you you breathe a sigh of relief when you mm-hmm. walk into these spaces. Um, and I don't I've never felt that. I've never felt that safety in a lesbian bar. I've never mm-hmm. felt that safety in a gay bar. I've never I've never felt the level of safety as I do at like mm-hmm. queer parties. Interesting. Yeah. Cause they got your back. Yeah, <laughs> they ain't trying to grab people, right? Cause they like respect your person. Being attracted or loving this type of person does not mean I want to impose on your rights, right? I so what is it? How does it affect you being in those spaces when people find out you're married to a man or you appear to be heterosexual because you're walking around with your husband? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, when I first God. met you, so this is very funny. When I first met you, and um, you mentioned you were queer, it blew my mind because I think that I was still I. You know, like there's always a moment when you you think you're open, but you still like you still got categories in your brain. Mm-hmm. You're like, this is what queer looks like. This is what gay looks like. And when I found out you were queer, married to a man, I was like, well, wow learning every day that I'm always wrong that's what it feels like I'm always wrong uh yeah no I have but my weird. thought was not like oh you're lying you know it was no, just like just- wow <laughs> queer means queer yeah you know what I mean like there are no boundaries on that it's uh it's pretty interesting like sometimes I go to queer parties with him um not very not particularly often because it's like not really his space mm-hmm. um so i'm not like super comfortable with him being there even though he's very like very opening very accepting mm-hmm. um but it's just not like it's 
just you know he has all the straight spaces in the world Mm -hmm. to go and you know be cis hetero white man um and so when people do find out like i'm not gonna lie i kind of i like usually bury the lead Mm -hmm. Um, so like if i'm talking about if i'm like talking to people like i i'll I'll happily mention that i'm married but like i'll like use non-gender specific terms Mm -hmm. and um say like yeah my partner this my partner that my spouse and then like eventually (laughs) come out as being married to a man because like it's it's really fucked up i feel like I, I feel like sometimes people think that that delegitimizes me yeah. as a queer person. Um, and I find it's really frustrating. So I definitely mm. like kind of wait <laughs> until like either they say something about like, oh, yeah, I'm dating a guy, too. Or I'm also married. I like I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of queer women married to men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I kind of like let them drop that bonfires before I was like, yeah, I'm married to a man, too. <laughs> Yeah, or like I, yeah i did guys it feels <laughs> like it's almost a shame to carry in certain circles yeah yeah it definitely like, feels that way yeah i'm queer but this thing yeah. <laughs> i don't want to say <laughs> which is so it's so as, as somebody who's an outsider and mm-hmm. i'm only talking from like observing and like learning from other people that is just so curious to me because if you if you can say that you're queer are you able to be attracted to men and women all the way up to the point of marriage? And that's when you have to stop. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, nah, you can't be queer yeah. and make this commitment. Right. to somebody. Even you know? it's just like, no, me using the term queer means I can marry a man or a woman. Right. And or, just because yeah. I choose man does not mean that I'm not queer. Right. It's just like, yo, if if I if I thought that getting married to a man would just completely shut down all sexual attraction that I have to like other people of like either non-gender conforming or like cis female, trans, mm-hmm. whatever. If I thought that it would just shut down my attraction, then I'd be like, oh, let's see how this goes then. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. It doesn't mm-hmm. shut down anything. I still have like... I still like feel significant things for women. So it's just like, that's just, I don't, uh, I'm done, (laughs) but it just doesn't, it's not like a a light switch where you can just like turn it off. (laughs) Married a man, no longer think women are beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Well, is there anything else you want to add or we can wrap it up? I think that I'm sad by the amount of people I know who have gotten married and then like only then feel comfortable telling their spouse that they're bisexual. Whoa. Like there have been a few people on, on Facebook who have, who I know who have come out on Facebook and been like, this is something I'm working through. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I don't know the background of this. I don't know why it took people so long. Maybe it didn't feel support, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. That just makes me really sad that we live in a world where, you know, if people are really working through it, I think that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But if someone feels like I can't get married or I can't be loved because of a particular way of being categorized, that just feels so heartbreaking to me. Right. And it's only after a marriage ceremony where you're legally binding, where mm-hmm. you're like, 
this is the case. You yeah. Know? <laughs> surprise. 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 <laughs> it doesn't change anything about like our marriage, but maybe it does for you. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. It's just really, it's really sad for me that because people don't experience a particular way of loving or mm-hmm. being attracted to other people, they can't conceptualize another person existing in the world that way. Mm-hmm. And therefore they try to make laws based off of it. They form their friendships based off of it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop going on a rant. <laughs> um, You're entitled. But just, I don't know. It just makes me really sad. And, and I, you know, was one of those people. So I'm working through it, but yeah. And we all like, we're, we're all, I had negative opinions on bisexual people growing up no and knowing that i was bisexual the entire time um so it's something it's definitely something you have to unlearn and i hope today's episode helped y'all unlearn or just start a dialogue and really think about what this means mm-hmm. <laughs> beautiful thank you <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break and then go into our last segment Compose Loudness, this is open-ended. A show about tech. The propaganda that you're attracted to tells me a lot. Culture, you know, if we all look the same to the cops, we're, we're all black. And a side is ass. Hands for women who like women, that's like our G-rated version of a dick pic. Wednesdays, in your favorite podcast player. Keep things open-ended. Passive screens, um, images kind of like float. Hey, hey, welcome back, y'all. Um, so we're going to do part three of our six-part series, Opt Out of White Feminism. Opt out! <laughs> and so this concept, which is, this is like the, actually the first time I heard of this concept, so I'm actually really excited for it. Um, it's called Noir, like misogyny and noir put together. Yes, that's what? like how it's spelled. I know. I was like, how do I say this? But uh, I hope this that's is, right. Yeah. We'll be doing another retraction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but black feminist scholar uh, Moya Bailey coined this term to describe the type, the specific type of gendered racism that like black women experience. Mm-hmm. So um, to give you an example, how every... Another way to kind of think about this is uh, cultural appropriation. So when like Kendall and Kylie are just like, look at my boxer braids when we're just like, yo, but we've been corn rolling for centuries on centuries on centuries. And like going out, like having corn rolls, being in the military, having corn rolls be considered an unacceptable hairstyle mm. or have anything that's not considered permed an unacceptable hairstyle or like having dreadlocks. But when Mark Jacob does it in his spring collection they're legendary it's It's so like just specific things where black women would be considered unprofessional or ghetto or ratchet but if a um for doing but if a white person or like a woman of another race doesn't necessarily have to be a white person, but it usually is, does the same thing. And they're trendy. They're hot fashion. They're like, oh, my God, I need, to, I need to copy that. And it's just and just kind of claiming it for their own um, misogynoir, misogyny against what? black women. I also <laughs> think of this as, as 
can people, can non-black women have that personality trait or mm-hmm. say that thing to you? And you'll be perfectly fine with it if a white woman says it. But if a black woman says the exact same thing or has that personality trait, you're like, whoa, too right. much, ghetto, right. angry. Oh, that that white woman's really leaning in. She's taking she's taking on the big boy. She's gonna yeah. That Cat, black woman why are you so is mad? aggressive. <laughs> you are aggressive. What is wrong with you? You're not gonna get anywhere in business with that. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> or like that. if you feel challenged more from black women who are challenging you in the same way that a white yes, woman is exactly. Because oh, because I look this way. Oh. Because that's like, worse. Okay. Our blackness and our womanhood are completely inseparable. And so that's why we experience this unique form of discrimination. And that is uh, another concept in which you can opt out of white Let feminism. Let it go. With. Let it go. Yes. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. These segments be getting me mad. I know. I'm the op- opt out of white feminism. I know. Because I know some black women who have opt 100% into white feminism. Girls, tell me about it. I'm not. Okay, don't tell me about it. I'm not going to tell you about it. Keep that secret then. Keep it secret. Don't get mad. Not right now. (laughs) Uh, We will be bringing the next few concepts um, later in the next several episodes. Awesome. And that's the end of our show. So thank you. Like us. <laughs> you can do that on Facebook and click like um, at Unlearned. You can tweet at us, favorite our tweets at Unlearned underscore shy. Um, you can email us at unlearnedpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our website, unlearnedpodcast.com. Uh, shout out to James T. Green for our graphics and music. Uh, shout out to my co-host, my lovely Misha. Oh, now I got to shout you out. You don't got to. I just adore you. And I'm doing the credits. So whatever. <laughs> I can do what I want. I'm the producer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you if you really really like us, you show your love and support on iTunes. Write us a review, um, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and like basically anywhere that has podcasts. I think like I searched a few areas. Never mind. Anyway, I'll stop talking. Have a great day. Bye. Bye, y'all. <laughs> no- Slowness.